Galatians chapter 5, and we continue our series in the fruit of the Spirit this morning, uh, focusing on peace. But we're going to read verses 16 through 23 to get a sense of this larger section. So I invite you to stand as, as you are able. This is on page 975 of your pew Bibles. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the, of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. You may be seated. At the end of each service, the pastor lifts his hands. And I have the great privilege of extending God's benediction to his people. Proclaiming the Lord's lasting peace upon those that have gathered to worship him. Now, many of you know this part of the service. It comes at the, at the end of, of every service. And normally in the words of number six, you'll see me lift up my hands. You'll see me proclaim peace. And in that one word, shalom. Peace. You have just a taste of God's tranquility and rest. You have just a taste of that thing that we're seeking. Isn't peace what we're all after? Isn't rest of our souls, of our hearts, of our world? Isn't that what we long for? And so God, in a way, saves the best for last. Just, you know, closing the service, saying, by the way, I send you forward with my peace with my lasting rest. And yet we have that glimpse. We have that peace that we hold on to, but we, we walk out these doors and right away things start to feel not so peaceful. Our personal lives are stressful, chaotic, full of anxiety. And you get in the car and maybe the kids start bickering. There's conflict again. And then you turn on the news and you you hear more about some war stirring up around the country or or, or around the world. And you say, "Ah, the world is, is not yet at peace. 
And so you start to wonder, if God gave me this benediction, if he gave me this blessing, then where is that peace? And why does it last? Where is there a, a, a peace that lasts in this world? Is such a peace possible? And the answer is yes. Yes, God is bringing about a world of peace. He's not just using mere words to you to close each service. When he proclaims the benediction to you through the pastor, he's not just going through some motion. What God is doing is is giving you a promise. He's actually handing you something, a, a lasting peace that can be yours. Because yes, The reality that we see in the scriptures is that God is bringing about peace in this world. And there will be a day where every war ceases and every bickering argument stops and every heart is is at rest. But what God does first as he is working peace in the world is first he plants peace inside you. First, he puts it inside your heart. You notice that peace is a fruit of the spirit. It's something that grows. It's something that matures within us. And so each and every one of us long for that instant rest, that instant peace. But the reality that the scriptures hand us is that peace is something that is hard won. Yes, God hands it out on a a silver platter to you. But it is something that we must take and nurture and by the Holy Spirit see take fruit in our lives. Just like every fruit of the Spirit, it is first and foremost one of those beautiful character qualities that belongs to our Savior that he wants to embed in you. He wants to put heaven in your heart before he puts you in heaven. And that is what we are going to see today. We are first going to look at that peace with God that we have right now in Christ Jesus. But then we must see how that peace is nurtured within And then we can't stop uh, until we focus on how that peace flows out to our fellow man. Peace with God, peace within, and peace with fellow man. You'll see that um, basic sermon outline in your notes. So notice first that at the center of true peace, the first thing that God does is he is planting peace in your heart. is that he puts you at peace with himself. Do you know that? Do you know that if you're going to have any kind of peace, any kind of freedom from anxiety and worry and stress, that first you have to have a harmonious relationship with God. You could even say that if we don't have peace with God, we have no peace at all. We hear a lot in our world about peace. Peace is a word that's thrown around. You know, I stand for world peace. And then we come closer to Christmas time and people hand out cards that have peace written all over them. Peace is like a word that's just thrown out into the air. But what we need to realize is that peace is not just a word, not just some, some wishful thinking that you hope will take over the world by good actions. Peace is for, first and foremost, harmony with the king of the universe. And here's the reality. 
is that our default setting is not peace with God. It's war. It's full-out war. The scriptures are honest enough to look us in the face and say, you are not by nature at peace with God. There is not by nature harmony. There is not by nature tranquility. But rather, what are some of the words that scripture uses to talk about our relationship with God by nature? Enmity. We are at enmity with God. What does that mean? That there is a conflict that is unresolved. What, what, what other words are used? It says, uh, Romans speaks of us as being in enemies of God, set against him, objects of his wrath. You say, well, those don't sound very peaceful. They're not. Everything in us, by nature, wants to oppose the presence and purpose of God in the world. You see, God created us and he laid out a plan and a purpose and he told us how to live and how to enjoy him. And his heart was full of love for us. But we rebelled. Isn't that what we learn in Genesis chapter three? That Adam and Eve, who were at perfect peace with God, said, you know, God, I want to do things on my own terms. And when they did that, What was at the core of their hearts was the same thing that's at the core of ours by nature. Selfishness. Sin that says, hey God, thanks for making me. I'm glad I exist, but why don't you step out of the picture? Get out of the way. And let me take charge of my own life and do things how I want. Now there's a way of looking at that that you could sugarcoat it. But let me call it for what it is and what scripture calls it. Cosmic treason. R.C. Sproul used those words. Cosmic treason. Here's the king of the universe who created us and endowed us with every good gift. And he says, here's the way you should live. Here's the way you should go. And we say, nope. That's not just childish. That's war. And so our sin is enmity with God. Guilty of cosmic treason. And we know, don't we, friends, that we deserve God's judgment. You look around and you see things aren't how they should be. This world is not tranquil. It's not at rest. The nations rage. Natural disasters shake the landscape. People are not at peace with one another. And not only that. Look at the kind of things the world celebrates. They're not at peace with God. All of this is sending this gigantic message that not only are we not at peace with God, but because we have committed cosmic treason, God is not at peace with us. He stands against us by nature. The scriptures teach this, friends, not me. The word of God discloses this to us and is honest enough to say, If you think that peace is just as simple as trying to be a better person or thinking some good thoughts about God, not anywhere near enough. Because what do we deserve, those who have committed cosmic treason against the king of the universe? Death. The wages of sin are death. That's what the Bible teaches book of Romans says, if you have turned against the king of the universe and you've insisted on living your own way, if you've worshipped other gods, 
idols or gods of money and pleasure and whatever else you can conjure, then you deserve eternal separation from God. Bodily and then spiritually death. Now, here's the good news. God doesn't leave us there. That's not the end of the story because Christ dealt with that horrifying judgment on the cross. What did he do? God didn't leave us in our treason. He could have. But instead, he pursued us on this grand mission. And when he sums up the mission of Christ, what does he sum it up as? The ministry of reconciliation. You know what reconciliation means? It means taking two people, two parties that are bickering and fighting and at at conflict with one another and are unresolved. And it means that you, you work out a way for them to embrace one another. Reconciliation is beautiful. And we usually talk about it between maybe a husband and a wife who are separated or maybe siblings that are are fighting it out and you, you sit them down and you work out a way for them to be resolved. But think about how glorious it is that Christ Jesus came as God in the flesh to reconcile us to God. That God set... Uh, sought out a way for us to, to embrace him again and to be at peace with him. And he did this not just by waving it off and saying, yeah, you rebelled against me, but I guess we can, we can be okay now. No, what did he do? Christ served as our substitute. As our substitute. That means he died in our place. We deserve death for our cosmic treason. Jesus becomes our substitute. He had to die. Why? Because someone had to die for the guilty. And he did the innocent for the guilty. The king of the universe died like a criminal in the cosmic courts of justice for you. To reconcile you to God. To bring you peace. Shalom. Romans 5.1 puts it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see? That now uh, what, what hangs over us, what looms over us is not the threat of judgment and that constant reminder that, we are, uh, that we are, we've committed treason. It's instead a message of love and peace and reconciliation. God is for you in Christ Jesus. Now, this is true, friends, if you have embraced that offer of peace that God has put forward in Christ Jesus. Remember what Romans 5.1 says. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, you have peace with God. Now, I ask you, have you been justified by faith? Have you looked to this Savior? Have you said, I want to be at peace with God I know that there's no amount of good things I can do to work my way up to peace with God. I know that there's, there's no just God overlooking what I've done. It has to be through Jesus. Have you trusted in him as the only way to be reconciled to, to God and Father? I invite you to do that this morning. I do. Because it's only through peace with God we find the way to true peace and to peace within. That's the second point here is notice that peace with God is that pivotal peace, that center 
that allows us to have peace deep in our souls. Now you say, Pastor, it's good news about peace with God. I'm really glad to hear I'm reconciled. In fact, what better news is there? But just have a few questions. What if I fail my family? What if my health gives out on me? Is my boss about to fire me? What if I'm at the wrong church? What if I never find someone to spend my life with? Why do I always feel so out of control? And the storm, the tempest of worry just surges in your heart. You say, I'm glad I'm reconciled to God. What do I do with this worry in my soul? Now, doctors actually say that anxiety or worry actually eat you alive from the inside out. Stomach ulcers can actually form within you uh, because you, you worry and worry and that kind of stress starts to eat you from the inside. That's how serious worry and anxiety are. No simple quick fix is going to solve this. But let me tell you, Peace with God through Christ Jesus is no simple fix. It's actually the antidote that we need because it gives us peace from the inside out. Not eating us alive from the inside out, but but shalom from the inside out, tranquility from the inside out. Let me tell you how this works, friends. I I want first to acknowledge that in the scriptures, as we turn to passages that speak about worry, God never, never minimizes your anxiety or concerns. See, there's a way to approach anxiety. Uh, There's a way to uh, proclaim a kind of counterfeit peace that just says, hey, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't think about it. Um, It's not what you're making it. And when God looks at the concerns and the fears that you have, he doesn't do that. He doesn't say, why are you making such a big deal out of this? Usually, look at Psalm 46, for instance, look at other places. God says, wow, those cares are big. Those are big things. Those are serious fears. And yet, here's what I want you to hear. God doesn't talk down to your worries or ignore them, but he does instruct you to place your concerns in his capable hands. Let's look at Matthew 6, 25. I just want to look at two quick passages. Matthew 6, 25 says this. It's it's your Savior speaking. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He goes on. What, what, what is our Savior saying there? Just gave a quick synopsis of that passage. What is he saying? He's saying, yeah, you've got a lot of cares. You've got a lot of worries. I'm not going to say that they're small, but I am going to say that you have a heavenly father who holds them in his hands. Don't you know that? Now look at Philippians chapter 4, which we read this morning. Let 
says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What is he saying? The Apostle Paul says here, and he says it elsewhere, that you have a heavenly father that doesn't minimize your cares and concerns, but he holds them in his hands. See, that's what we're supposed to do when we're worried. That's what we're supposed to do when uh, worry surges within. We're supposed to place our concerns in his capable hands. Now, here's how this ties in with peace with God. If you have peace with God through Jesus, then your life is in the hands of a heavenly father, not an enemy, not someone you're at enmity with, but a God who has graciously moved towards you in the ministry of reconciliation and who wants all things to work together for your good. Indeed, who promises that all things will work together for your good. And he went to the extent of sending his own son to die on a cross so that all things will work out for your good. Now, if that's the kind of God that you are at peace with, then what worry do you have in your heart that you can't trust in his capable hands? This isn't some stranger. This isn't some enemy. This is a heavenly father that the ministry of reconciliation has brought to you. Now, here's why that's important. Friends, you're not supposed to shoulder the cares of the world. Do you know that? When you try to control everything, when you, when you worry about everything in your life, it's like you're, it's like you're on a plane, thousands of miles up in the air, and you're pulling the capable pilot out of his seat, and you're sitting down, and you're like, wait, 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 what do I do? Where, where are the buttons? I don't know what to do. Imagine looking at each... Now, there are some pilots in this room, so that's where I have to be careful here. But... If I put most of you in the cockpit of a jet plane and no one was, was next to you, what would you would you know how to land it? I don't think so. I couldn't. Would you even know how to how to steer in the right direction? No. You're not supposed to be in that cockpit. You're not supposed to be in that place. But God's a pilot. Your heavenly father is flying that plane of your life. And it's in prayer, Philippians 4 teaches, it's in prayer that we speak to God and we say, Father, this is a big concern. My health is a big concern. My marriage is a big concern. My future is a big concern. I give this concern to you. Father, I feel out of control, but you're capable. Father, I trust you. Father, take care of it for me. I can't take care of this for myself. Take it, Lord. Take it. That's what prayer does. Prayer takes our our anxieties to the Lord who has reconciled us to the ministry of reconciliation in Christ Jesus. Is he not capable? He certainly is. Do you see the key to, to peace within? How it flows from that perfect eternal peace we have with the Father. But it doesn't stop there. Because it also flows outward from our hearts to peace with man. Remember how I told you that God is about the great work of shalom. He is about uh, tranquility in this life. 
He is about making peace with all things. Um, everything in this earth. The whole universe. But the way he does that is first by working peace in your heart. And then peace flows out of you and into the world. And in that way, God starts to, to make his mark of peace flowing out and accomplishing uh, just a taste of what he's going to bring about on that final day. And so we display the peace of God that we have within ourselves and we display it to others. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do you know that you're called to be a peacemaker? If you have peace with God, if you're seeking that peace within that's available to you, then surely you ought to show that peace that God has accomplished with you, with others. Surely you ought to extend that ministry of reconciliation to a world that desperately needs it. You see, it's interesting that here in Philippians chapter 4 again, what do we see um, in, chapter, in chapter 4 verse 2? Uh, right before God talks about worry, he entreats Yodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. You see, there is some sort of conflict between these two believers. And God says, that's not in keeping with the ministry of reconciliation. You're at peace with me. You can't let conflict uh, go unaddressed in, amongst one another. And so the first thing that God does is he calls upon them to be peacemakers, to agree in the Lord with one another, to find some way to iron this out, to really work at it. And that's what he's calling you to do. You know, friends, I wonder, do you have unresolved conflict with people in your life? Do you have unresolved conflict with someone in the church? Could be a leader in the church. Could be someone sitting close to you. Do you have unresolved conflict with someone in your family? Do you have unresolved conflict with a neighbor or someone in this world? God says that as far as it depends on you, you are to seek resolution to that unresolved conflict. And you do this. Why? Because your heart is full of peace with God. And it can't just stay there. It has to burst out. You know, so much of our conflict with others is a grasping for control. Trying to say, I want you to be this way. I want you to give me this. I, 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 want, I want you to help me in this way. But uh, again, with all of that control, you're not supposed to be in that pilot seat. You can't control what other people do. But God has said that you are to be an instrument of peacemaking with your brothers and sisters, with your neighbors. So what do you need to do to bury the hatchet of conflict and extend the handshake of the gospel? What do you need to do today to display loud and clear the ministry of reconciliation to a world that needs it? You know, kids, are you doing everything you can not to fight with your siblings? Not to make life more difficult for your parents? Are you a source of peacemaking in the home? You know, Jesus says to you, little children, that he comes to you with his peace. So wouldn't you go to your brothers and sisters and your friends and your parents and say, I'm not going to make life more difficult for them today. I'm, I'm going to be a source of peace. 
I'm going to be quiet when I need to be quiet. I'm going to say things that are helpful and that don't start fights. Isn't that a wonderful way to show Jesus to other people? Husbands and wives, are you keeping conflicts going in your marriages? Maybe it's even that kind of passive-aggressive, you know, silent treatment, right? I'm going to be peaceful, but I'm going to be peaceful because I'm not going to say anything. And I'm, I'm going I'm to let them know that I'm really angry and that they should be saying something to me. And I'm going to let them know that, and I'm not going to say anything. Even when they talk to me, I'm just going to walk into the other room. That's not peacemaking. That's keeping a conflict alive. That's, that's, that's keeping bitterness thriving in your home. Friends, go after that. Kill it. As far as it depends on you, say, look, here's what I've done wrong. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? And then can we talk about this problem that we have? I want to be reconciled to you. How can can we be reconciled to one another? You know, friends, we all have opportunities to seek peace and not conflict. Our social media posts, our, our, our conversations with our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. I'm not saying we, we don't say hard things. I'm not saying we don't speak the truth in love. But when we speak the truth, we do it in a way that pursues reconciliation. Not as someone that just wants to, to hatchet and you know, treat truth like a hatchet or a hammer, but someone who wants to bury that and wants to extend the, go- the, the handshake of the gospel and say, here's the way to peace in Christ. Will you, will you embrace this handshake? Will you receive Christ? He's full of peace for you if you would receive him. You know, friends, you've received peace in Christ Jesus. It's handed to you on a silver platter. Show it to others. Be peacemakers. For this world desperately needs it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we yearn for control, to have our hands in every matter, to to affect what other people are doing, to settle our wandering hearts. But Lord, the kind of control that you give us is one that is yours. Help us to believe that you are a competent and capable pilot of our lives. Help us to really believe that and that you are, you are for us in Christ Jesus. And with that settled in our hearts, Lord, in us trusting in you, Really, Lord, give us the ability to display that peace to one another. And Lord, may our words be seasoned with truth, but truth packaged in such a way that the world would really see it extended as a handshake, as a gift. And Lord, we pray that finally that the world would indeed receive it, that they would not reject that offer of peace extended to them, but they would see what is truly better and they would put down their weapons and in the grace of the Lord Jesus would would receive him and your world would be would overflow with shalom. We know that day is coming where every knee will bow to Jesus. Would it come quickly? And would we in some way be part of it? We thank you for that privilege and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.